Welcome to the Experience Christian Church Message Podcast. We are a church startup based out of Exton, Pennsylvania, committed to giving the community a fresh start with God and with church. Our mission is to help people experience God's love in a practical way. We would love to connect with you. Would you text ECC info to 94000 or go to our website, experiencecc.org for more information and to learn how you can be a part of our community. Enjoy today's message. Hey, Experience Christian Church. It is so good to be with you. I'm Rachel Short, and I'm the pastor of Community Life at Project 938, which is just right up the road from you guys, and it is such a privilege to be here. We feel like y'all are like our sister church right down the road, and we just love Matt and Carrie Silver, and so it's an honor to be with you today. I remember just a couple years ago sitting with Matt and Carrie and hearing the tagline of Experienced Christian Church, that God is better experienced than explained. And I love that tagline because when I think about this series that we find ourselves in today, the things that Jesus didn't say, we are walking through the Gospel of John. And when I think about that series, the things that Jesus didn't say, I think about the fact that Jesus is meant to be experienced, not explained. I was uh, listening to an interview several years ago by a woman named Barbara Walters, who many of y'all are familiar with, and she is known as the American journalist. I mean, she has interviewed celebrities and politicians around the world, done thousands of interviews. And one of the things that she talks about is she spends countless hours seeking to understand the person she is about to interview, that she wants to understand them better than they understand themselves. And she also would spend hours crafting questions that she would ask the person. And one of the questions that she would always ask is, what is the biggest misconception about you? What is the biggest misconception about you? What is the thing that everyone else assumes to be true about you that isn't actually true? And when I think of the person of Jesus, I can't help but wonder if at times Jesus wishes that we would ask him that question. What is the biggest misconception about you? Last week, Pastor Matt talked about that each one of us, we often have an assumption about who God is or an assumption about what Jesus says to us, like, I'll have, I'll do it your way, right? But Jesus never actually said, I'll do it your way. Oftentimes, the way that we want it to be done, Jesus says that he has a better way. And today, we're talking about this assumption this misconception that we often think of when we think of the Christian life. And it's a misconception um, that following Jesus leads to less suffering. That the world is meant for our pleasure and our enjoyment and our achievements. And if we just are meant to follow Jesus, then we are going to have a life with less suffering, but Jesus didn't actually say that. When we look at the different encounters that Jesus had with people, 
as we walk through the Gospel of John, we see that he didn't promise a life free of suffering. In fact, he promised the exact opposite. We see in our passage today in John 16, 33, that Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So Jesus says, he doesn't say, follow me and you will experience less suffering. He, he describes that suffering and peace can coexist. Suffering and peace can coexist. So let's unpack this truth. There are two truths that I want to point out from this passage. The first one is that Jesus simply says, you will suffer. You will suffer. You will have many trials and sorrows, he says. Earlier in John 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he is telling them that they are going to be expelled from the synagogues for following Jesus. He tells them that many of them could even die for their faith, for following him. And then in verse 20, he describes the suffering that they are meant to experience like a woman giving birth. Now, I I don't have kids and I have many friends who do and I have watched enough of the PBS series Call the Midwife to know that this kind of suffering, like Jesus was not joking about this kind of suffering, that here on this earth you will experience many trials and sorrows. So why is it then that you and I are so surprised when we experience suffering? I think it's because oftentimes there's two misconceptions that we have when it comes to suffering. The first one is we think that we have a suffering quota. So Jesus might say that we are going to experience many trials and many sorrows, but if you're like me, I'm thinking like, how many is many, right? I mean, are we talking two to three? Are we talking five to seven? Are we talking like little baby sufferings and like one big daddy suffering? Like what is Jesus talking about when he's talking about the many trials and sorrows? And I think that we have this tendency to look at our lives or to look at the lives of other people in the midst of their suffering. And we're like, God, where are you? God, what are you doing? Isn't this suffering enough? I remember um, when God called me to help plant Project 938, I was so excited. I had been working in the corporate world uh, for several years, and I just was in a work environment where I felt like kind of like my soul was dying almost. I wasn't using my gifts and I, I felt like I had all these passions that were built up inside of me and for several years I was just working behind the desk and anyone who knows me well knows that I am a people person. And so I am so excited that God has called me to help plant this church in Westchester. I grew up in Texas originally and so um, not only were there churches on every corner but there were large churches 
churches on every corner. And so I was just so excited that I'm going to go in, I'm going to help plant this church. And I was doing all the things and I was grabbing all the cups of coffee and I just felt like I was on this spiritual high. I was hosting all these people at my house and doing all these events. And suddenly, about a year and a half in, I came to this place where I was emotionally, physically, spiritually depleted. And suddenly, those memories of that last work environment, the memories of my last workplaces, that suffering started to creep in, and I just wanted to avoid it. And so what I did is I started to overperform, right? Because I wasn't going to go back to that suffering. I had experienced my work suffering quota. And in that season, my roommate at the time pulled me aside and she said, uh, Rachel, I feel like Project 938 is the boyfriend who's living at our house and he's watching our TV and he's eating from our fridge and he doesn't clean and he doesn't pay rent. And so suddenly what happened was I had allowed Project 938 to infiltrate all areas of my life. And not only was I suffering, but those around me were beginning to suffer too. And I started, and instead of going to God in the midst of the suffering, I started to distrust his goodness because I felt like I had experienced my work suffering quota. Each and every one of us, I think sometimes we have this misconception that we have a suffering quota. Another misconception uh, we have about suffering is that oftentimes we think that all suffering is bad suffering. And sometimes suffering is a result of good decisions that we're making. A while ago, I was listening to an interview with Kristen Bell, who some of y'all may know from Frozen or the TV show The Good Place. And she is asked, what is the barometer that she uses for decision making? And one of the questions, uh, and the question that she said that she asked herself is, does this whatever the decision is, does this maximize happiness and minimize suffering? Does this maximize happiness and minimize suffering? Now, before I insult all of the Frozen fans, because I'm a big fan of Frozen and I'm a big fan of Kristen Bell, I think the question of does this choice maximize happiness and minimize suffering is a poor barometer for a rule of life. Because think about the last time you resisted sin or you resisted disobeying God. You were likely met with a tremendous amount of suffering. Whether that was looking at something online that you shouldn't look at or whether that was Googling answers on a test because you didn't necessarily study as much as you wanted to or um, whether that was choosing not to go to a party because you remember the decisions that you chose the last time you went to that party. Whatever it is, the resistance, the, the suffering that we meet in the midst of choosing to 
resist that temptation, resist that sin, we're met with a tremendous amount of suffering. The truth from John 16 that Jesus says is that you will suffer, but Jesus also says that you can have peace. You will suffer, but you can have peace. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me, but take heart, Jesus goes on to say, because I have overcome the world. So this is where Jesus gets a little bit complex, okay? So Jesus is saying that suffering and peace can coexist. Now this peace that Jesus talks about is different than the kind of peace that you and I think of. Oftentimes we think of peace as the absence of conflict or war or division. But the Greek word for peace, erene, that Jesus is talking about here means rest or unity or wholeness. It's this inner state of wholeness that you and I can experience. And Jesus declares that he is the one that we are meant to go to for that peace. He is the one who overcame the world. He is the one who brought about that peace. The Apostle Paul, a writer in the New Testament who wrote a good majority of the New Testament, he writes in Ephesians 2.14 to the church in Ephesus, he says, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. So the Apostle Paul in Ephesians is saying that Jesus is the one where we find peace. He's the one where we find peace. He's the one who unites Jews, people who have been following, um, following the scriptures, and those who Gentiles who are far from God. Jesus on the cross is the one who brings about peace, who brings about unity, irene, together. In John chapter 9, Jesus encounters a man born blind. And the disciples are with him at this time. And they ask him lots of questions about why this man was born blind. Was it because of his sin or was it because of the sin of his parents? It's as if they're saying, explain this to us, Jesus. Explain why this man is suffering. And to Jewish people at the time, if someone was suffering, they thought it had to do with the sin in their own life or the sin of their relatives. But instead, Jesus says something really interesting. He says that this happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. And then he spits on the ground and he forms mud and saliva and spreads it over the man's eyes. And then he tells the man to go and wash himself and come back. And so the man washed himself and he came back seeing. Now people around who have seen this blind beggar, that they know he was born blind, I mean, they are flabbergasted by this. Like, how could this man now see? And then we see, starting in verse 13, what happens. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. 
The Pharisees asked the man all about it, so he told them, He put the mud over my eyes, and when I washed it, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man, Jesus, is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, But how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, What's your opinion about the man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see, so they called in his parents. They asked him, Is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? His parents replied, we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. I love that because so often I think we have this tendency to ask our um, parents or, or like bring in, it's like bring in the parents and ask them about their kids' decisions, right? Or, or what's going on with their kids. But the parents are like, ask him. So ask him. He is old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said he is old enough, ask him. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. And then the man who was born blind says something. He says, I don't know whether he is a sinner, but I know this. I was blind and now I can see. So here's this man who was once born blind. Now he can see and no one could explain how Jesus had healed him. And I think so often that is us in the midst of our suffering that we can't explain how we are experiencing peace. But we know we're experiencing peace in the midst of suffering. From about 2005 to 2014, my family experienced just utter tragedy um, in the form of my brother's addiction. And it was a really long journey and um, praise the Lord, he has been sober now for seven years. Um, but. At tw in 2014, um, we got a phone call that one of his best friends had died of an overdose. And his best friend just so happened to be the son of one of my mom's really close friends, Kelly. And the day after um, her son Jason passed, Kelly called my mom and she said, Trisha, I have been thinking about you and praying for you because I know that you are struggling because you are still in the fight. 
See, Kelly understood that even though her son, who was a follower of Jesus, who knew the Lord and who was in the midst of suffering, in the midst of his addiction, she knew that he had experienced peace with Christ and that my brother was still suffering. She understood that we can experience peace in the midst of our suffering because peace comes from the saving grace of Jesus. I don't know where you are at today. I don't know what you are carrying, but I do know that what Jesus says is true, that he has overcome the world. And we may not be able to explain our suffering, but we can experience his peace. As we wrap up today, there are three questions that I want us to ask ourselves this week. The first one is, have I experienced the kind of peace that Jesus offers me? Have I experienced the kind of peace that Jesus offers me? Number two, am I running towards Jesus in the midst of my suffering? And number three, who can I invite into my suffering with me? Who can I invite into my suffering with me? We aren't meant to suffer alone. We see that Jesus modeled this really well because he says, come to me and you can experience peace. And not only when we come to him can we experience peace, but when we invite others in, we see that peace manifest. Let's pray. Father, we praise you that you are not surprised by our suffering, that you know where each one of us are at. God, you know the suffering that we are carrying, God. And Lord, we ask, God, that you would help us experience the peace that only you can give us today. And God, that we would be a people who runs to you in the midst of our suffering. And that we would be a people who invites other people in to our suffering, knowing that you are the one who gives us peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope something you heard today will draw you closer to God and encourage you to know him better. If you found this message podcast helpful, please subscribe, write a review, and consider sharing it with someone else. If there is anything we can do for you, a question we could talk through with you, a prayer we could say on your behalf, or a need you have, please don't hesitate to let us know. We are better together. Please connect with us soon. Take care.